Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, you know him. He is the co-host. He is the one and only Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. But folks, we have a special treat for you. We have, I don't want to even say friend of the show, because I think at this point it's like family of the show. Mm. We have a guest joining us via Zoom that has been long overdue to grace the ODPH on this side of the microphone because he has been very gracious to let us crash his network at Badcast Productions. We have been on the 30 and Nerdy podcast for a, is it a record three times, Tyler? Mm-hmm. So we must be doing something right. And we have said we are way, way, way overdue to return the favor and then I got a message. If you guys are talking that Mandalorian episode, I need to jump in. Who am I to say no to family? That's my question. And that's why we are bringing to you a very special guest to the panel. You know him from the 30 and Nerdy podcast, ODPH Society. Give it up for Tyler Mack. Ty, what is going on? Hello, boys. Oh, what is going on, my friend? Thank you so much for joining us. Dude, I'm excited. I'm very, I'm very, very excited. It's, it's long overdue. I'm, I'm happy to be on the ODPH for the oh, first time. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm super excited. Like, we are going to be talking so much movies, TV, and comics more. Let us not waste any more time. If anybody wants to join in the conversation, and we hope you do, join in the conversation on our social media accounts. You can find everything at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. And let us kick off talking about the episode that shook the internet, dare I say, Pad? Uh, yeah, I'd have to say so. It definitely shook my internet for the past three days because I think I've watched this thing about a record seven times. That's low for the numbers I've seen. I I know, but I'm just trying to savor it because I don't want to overdo it because we are going to be talking about The Mandalorian and arguably the greatest episode in the history of Star Wars. Uh, It's up there. It's definitely up there. I know that I'm catching a lot of heat online for it, but I don't care because this is where we're going to be talking about. And that is chapter 14, the tragedy episode six of season two. So if you have not seen it for whatever reason, I don't want to know why. I'm just going to tell you right now, pause this episode where you are listening to it, watch the episode and then jump right back in on the conversation. Cause we are going to be deep diving into spoilers in three, two, one had what did you think? I thought it was a really good episode, all things considered. Uh, surprisingly, this episode was directed by uh, Rob, one Robert Rodriguez. You may not know the name, but he did do uh, the, the Spy Kids films, Sharkboy and Lava Girl, I believe is one he worked on too. So, And I didn't realize it until the end credits, but given the man's work and what I'm familiar with, what he's worked on, I was very surprised at how good this episode was. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, we knew that, you know, the Mandalorian was going to be taking the child to, to another planet and what was going to happen did not expect any of this ty what did you think my friend oh well to be honest i nerded all over the living room <laughs> uh it was it was glorious uh it, it was coming in all of our heads we knew that a certain character surely was making another appearance again uh we finally got it i i too was shocked to see robert rodriguez's name 
on the credits, I was like, and we didn't see Machete. We didn't see uh, no. Antonio Banderas in the episode. Right. <laughs> like, we didn't see any of his go-to guys. So, uh, I mean, welcome to the Star Wars universe, Robert. <laughs> yeah, he definitely came in with a big bang and definitely delivered. I mean, the only thing I would say was a knock on this episode is it was too short. But honestly, mm-hmm. what else could he have put in there that wasn't perfect? Because this episode, to me, definitely was the epitome of what you wanted to do if you really wanted to establish the badassery that is known as one Boba Fett. Uh-huh. Because where this episode kicks off is the Mandalorian is taking Grogu. Man, that has, ta- that has taken me forever to finally master yeah. not saying Baby Yoda. On this journey to go find Jedis who can train him and raise him because that has been the whole premise of the series. So now he has the information that he needs to go to the temple on Tython. Uh-huh and place Groku in the center of the seeing stone, and he will magically draw in the Jedi that will find the way using the Force to teach him on how he goes about his ways. During this time, Grogu finally gets there. He's meditating, and Mandalorian is going, okay, like, yo, we got to get going, because he's noticing there are ships now circling the planet. Yep. Grogu, in typical Grogu fashion... Doesn't care. Does not care. He is like the true heel of this series right now. Like, everything he's done so far has been basically heel tactics. He's nearly got the Mandalorian killed in every episode. He's eating eggs. Yep. It's completely savagery. I mean, what do you think about it, Ty? Um, I think as long as he stays cute, he's allowed to be heel. Because, uh, you know, fan fans love a cute heel, which is why they love, like, Dolph Ziggler, obviously. So... Grogu could be the next Dolph Ziggler of the Star Wars universe. So he's Yoda's brace. Yoda lived till he was like 900. So he's got what? Like another 150, 200 years before he's not cute anymore? Yeah. Something? (laughs) They're going to milk milk that for all it's worth. I can just imagine the the, the drastic heel turn and he just turns into a monster like at the end of this year. Full Sith. He goes full Sith. Oh, could you imagine? The internet would lose its mind. But like we say... Grogu has now finally decided, okay, I'm going to meditate, and then sends up this energy force. So now he's protected in a force field. And the Mandalorian, obviously, is noticing the ships coming by. Uh-huh. So he is like, I got to buy you some time. Like, we got to go. Because the one thing that he kept trying to do was grab Grogu, but he was not getting through the force. That's like definition of insanity right there. Oh, I know. He did it about five times. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, I get the panic. I do. But I'm like, Mando, it's not working. So... Well- I watched the episode once, and then I watched it again with my dad because my dad uh, took me to see my first Star Wars movie back in the 90s. Um, And it it was funny. Like, the first time he went to do it, my dad was like, I don't think that's going to work. And then he did it, like, two, three more times. And by, the like, the third or fourth time, he's like, okay, really? You think this is going to work after all these tries? Yeah, it was just absolutely mind-blowing that it was, like, he kept going. Because I know it's, like, a little bit of comic relief, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. It was like, man, Mando, it's not going. So, guess what? You're going to have to have a standoff. So as he goes to anticipate the ship he sees coming in, he gets a little, I don't even want to say friendly fire at this point, but he's starting to get shot at mm-hmm. by some old friends, mm-hmm. Yeah, as we see. One of which is a mercenary known as Fennec. Now, we have not seen her in a big uh, deal, per se, since last season, yep. and that is only one yeah oh yeah it was good to see her back again and like i said with star wars unless i see a body and even then i don't believe they're dead right because mm. you remember at the end of the, her episode there was a pair of feet that were finding her in the desert yep and that turned into who tyler boba yes boba fett saved her life yes 
in dramatic fashion too because boba does make his appearance and he does confront the mandalorian and saying he just wants his armor back Uh he didn't say he wanted the mandalorians because mandalorian was like you're not getting this and boba explains to him that it belongs to his family it was his dad's as a mandalorian foundling Uh he wants it back and obviously mandalorian is kind of a little hesitant after being shot at but boba to his credit is remaining very calm and, and now he's uh, determining the deal here so timura morrison who plays boba fett uh, absolutely crushed it in this episode oh too. absolutely it was, it was really great to see you know tomorrow morrison back again of course he did play Django fett and the clones in the prequels you know so and so i think it's kind of like that perfect he's like the it's one of those weird instances like with uh obi-wan or not obi-wan uh ewan mcgregor in the upcoming Obi-Wan series, we're like, he's the perfect age to play Obi-Wan at the point in that story. Tamora Morrison is like at the perfect age to play Boba Fett at this point in time. And the other thing I liked is I read an article where uh, Tamora Morrison is from down in New Zealand. He did bring in some of that like New Zealand culture and fighting style into the episode and they graciously let him do it. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. So as we see the deal is getting cut, they are joined by the troopers of Moth Gideon Mm -hmm. who in typical stormtrooper fashion decide to start attacking. And I would say they bought into a little more than they bargained for. Mm-hmm. with this because boba i tyler would you like to explain this scene he's right just, he's a savage man <laughs> he gives zero fucks <laughs> he has none to give none and it's so hand-to-hand combat you you know you mentioned the new zealand tactics that he brought in it was very old school tribal fighting mm-hmm. like something out of last of the mohicans or when mel gibson goes crazy in the patriot it was it was beautiful. It remind well, you know um, what it reminded me of. It reminded me a bit of uh, Hobbs and Shaw when when Dwayne Johnson and them went back home to the island and the, the whole family started fighting with like because mom got rid of all the guns and all of a sudden they had to use like the hand to hand combat weapons. It reminded me a lot of that. Oh, very oh, yeah. good point. Yeah. So when we're seeing this, just Boba is annihilating everybody when he's got that uh, mace type weapon mm-hmm. and he is just teeing off. Oh my god! And I, I just want to stress this point too. If anybody is worried about the violence factor in Moon Knight not being mm-hmm. up to snuff, I think this episode said we'll be okay. Yeah. I could we'll be, be okay with Moon Knight, but as you said in your previous episode, I don't think it went Punisher far. No. No. No, 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 no. No, no. That'll Didn't be... solidify a spot for Punisher. Yeah, yeah. Punisher, no. Punisher is not going to be there unless they do some weird, like, Disney minus or something. It's like some <laughs> hidden code you have to hack into. To Disney find. Plus after dark. Yeah, it's going to be. Can you only imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. But that being said, Boba just is annihilating everybody. They're standing off with the stormtroopers, the Mandalorians holding his own. Meanwhile, Grogu is still just in that force field sending out the Jedi magic mm-hmm. and still at this point is drawing in more attention yep. to the group, which I do love, love the fact that the Mandalorian was still fending, you know, still trying to get in there, but Boba being smart as he is knew where the armor was and jumped on the ship. Yeah, no, I, well, I think it's a case of he's not an idiot, you know, at, oh, at, no, he's I was, not. I was trying to run the math in my head the second time I was watching the episode at this point, he's gotta be fifties or sixties. Yeah, I would just, just cuz like you think okay, uh, attack of the clones, he was give or take about 10 years old or so. So run that back, you know, Grogu is is 50 years old and and he was born around the time of Phantom Menace. 
So you think of the timelines. So he's got to be 50s. So he's been, you know, he's been around the block. He, he's seen some stuff. He's no, he's no, he knows where he's keeping it. Yeah. Which like we say, Boba is no dummy. And, no. And this is the first time I think we've really seen him get to shine and know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Because as he says, he's cutting the deal. Like, I don't want to even harm you. I'll help you protect Rogu. I just want my armor back. And it's so simplistic in the methods. Yeah. That there's no like underlying deal because you know with bounty hunters in the galaxy, yeah, stuff can go south real quick. Bulba is showing a weird sense of honor mm-hmm. that I don't mm-hmm. think, as we saw the the original movies, yeah, that he showed this. No, he was definitely kind of cold and calculating in the original three movies, you know. And I think it, you know, kind of where he's at now is just a, a product of what he's been through, what he survived, and, and just kind of his experiences where. He's not the same guy we saw capture Han so ruthlessly and do that. Like he's still got that in him clearly where he's not afraid to like take a guy's head off if he has to, but he's definitely a little more, you know, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to figure out what I got to do here. And then I'm going to take your head off. Yeah. Tyler, you feel the same way? Yeah. I think, you know, he not, he didn't just learn a life lesson, you know, living through the Sarlacc. I think he learned after that. I sided with the wrong guys. Mm Mm-hmm. I took the money from the wrong guys and they lost. Yeah. So I'm going to try to go a different route with my morality. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's gaining him some friends by mm-hmm. the looks of it. Yeah. Like it's such a weird redemption story. Yeah. But he's making it work. And to see that, I mean, obviously for the simplistic reasons that Boba is just trying to get his armor back, he winds up paying it back tenfold because once we see him jump into the fight because the Mandalorian's now going to try helping out the I, w- I don't want to say the anti-resistance here with, mm. with, with uh, Boba's crew there but he jumps in but then we see Boba come in to save the day in armor in one of the most badass yeah. things we've ever seen in Star yeah. Wars yeah like I when was that camera pans and he kind of rises up in his armor I've I've visibly i was alone in my house watching it shouted to an empty room just just enthralled i was just like "Ah!" (laughs) like, i've been waiting for this for how long i it it made the episode yeah it made the episode just that moment for me better than the previous episode and i love ahsoka yeah, like for everybody they've introduced this season, I mean, this has been such a love letter to the fans mm-hmm. of not just the movies, but the canon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That to see everybody getting their big moments to shine has been just another factor of why the season has worked on so many levels. Like, I'm absolutely blown away by everything they've done so far. And then to see Boba, who, like we say, has gone from the urban legend that everybody knows he's the baddest bounty hunter in the galaxy to now he is proving it on screen to any doubters mm. and just coming in and laying waste to all these stormtroopers, even doing like the little nod where the boulder starts coming down Raiders of the lost Ark style. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I mean, how good. crazy was that? That was, no, that was, that was nuts. Cause it's definitely a situation where uh Fennec, you know, Ming now one was holding her own, you know, and some badass shots with that. I mean, that one scene where she's running down the top of the set of rocks there and, and it's just, you know, blaster 
explosions behind her and then she kind of jumps in the air turns around and fires at the bad guys while she's falling like there were some great action sequences and then just the wherewithal to see oh this old boulder wound uh why don't i just do this why don't i just push this out of the way yeah like i say fennec was one of the most like forgotten characters of this episode Mm -hmm. but it's nothing against her no there was just so much going on that you forget like the little details she was doing Mm -hmm. and especially Mm -hmm. her sharpshooting in this yeah read about it it this just made me instantly go we need a Mandalorian core episode. Yeah. Like, like oh, yeah. Like, yeah. let these three just do something. Like, we have to get rid of the child for whatever reason and focus on these three. Just do you like an Ocean's Eleven heist episode? Hell yes. Because I admit, I'm right with you guys. I was watching this, and the minute I saw Boba emerge, and I just marked the hell out. The closest thing that you can imagine, too, is our good friend Dre Driven has a... Uh-huh. a an online uh, uh, Mundre Mandalorian review up right now. I did the exact same thing. Oh, absolutely. I have no shame in that. No, I, I saw this, the ship come down and I instantly recognized it. And I got, and I got to give some props too to the, the folks who designed everything. Uh, because if you go back to some of the scenes in Attack of the Clones and you look at like the interior of Slave One, it's a, it's a perfect uh, replication. Because I can't imagine it's the same interior that they used in 2000, you know, whatever they filmed it but it's a perfect replication. And even then with Boba's armor, because for all we know, it could be the armor they used for Jango Fett in mm-hmm. 2002 oh, yeah. for Attack of the Clones. And they just repainted it, made it look aged or whatever, you know, but just you got to give credit to the folks in the production end of things. And just, you know, especially with something like Boba's armor, you know, cause if you, if you have a black series Boba Fett action figure at home, I mean, you can hold the two up to each other and the top half is a perfect uh, replication, just aged a little bit. But then even just, like I said, with the interior of Slave 1, you know, it was awesome. And that was the moment I marked out where I was just like, oh, shit, we're doing this. Yeah. Is, is he takes the kid up there, and then you see Slave 1. And that was a ship that a lot of people might not have recognized. But obviously, if you've seen Star Wars enough times, you know what that ship is, where I went, oh, shit, we're doing this? Okay. Yeah, it was absolutely wild to see the attention to detail they've done. And you know, especially for how weathered mm-hmm. Boba's armor is. Because, I mean, let's face it, being the Starlight Pit, it's going to be weathered. Yeah. And to show like how it's still holding up and still obviously the best of best car. This is just a wild scenario to see, but they pull it off so well. Mm-hmm. And as Pat mentioned too, when just when you think the Mandalorian three are going to get the upper hand on the stormtroopers, Moff Gideon decides to drop the heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. One, he takes out the razor crust from orbit. Oh, that, that broke my heart a little bit. Yeah, it broke mine too. Cause we've kind of grown accustomed to the way that we saw slave one. Mm-hmm. With Boba Fett and the OGs, we've grown accustomed to seeing the Razor Crest as its own little character. Even oh, yeah. to the the Elmer's glue fix it up that it got, you're just like that's 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 another character. That's Mando's ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Razor Crest, and just blown away, <laughs> like like they were trying to tie up loose ends in a bad mafia movie. It was just destroyed, and mm-hmm. there's no amount of mon calamari elmer's glue that can fix it now no god no I've, although i did appreciate that the only two pieces left of the ship after it were blown up or won the best car uh pike and mm-hmm. then and then the little uh shift thing on the top that the that the kid liked to play with and you know what mm-hmm. i was almost wondering too with that uh i know we're kind of jumping ahead just a sec i was wondering if that little ball was the tracking device that was put in the ship Ooh, Ooh. that's a good point I le- I legitimately thought that when I'm like, that, ooh, that's interesting. Because they said, well, you know what? That's how we'd be able to track them. And of course, if they're going to carry that thing, yeah, that's how they're going to. That's how interesting it would be the easiest way to find. Because 
when Moff Gideon finally decides to start attacking, he sends in everything. Like he throws the kitchen sink at him in the form of mm-hmm. the dark troopers. Yeah, he would say he went full Kylo run. More, more. Yeah. <laughs> and they wind up snagging uh, Grogu just as he's done meditating and so everything. Did falls. anyone else get like evil trip Iron Tony Legion. Stark vibes off of those yeah. uh, dark troopers? I got an Iron Legion feel when they were flying out. I, I was I'm like I'm sitting there I'm like I feel like I'm watching like you know a dark version of of Iron Man here with like Tony Stark went out took a trip down the dark side and and just yeah. decided to go evil yeah because uh, like they definitely I feel borrowed some inspiration like obviously they borrowed some inspiration for the for the dark troopers from comics and and all the previous iterations but I just feel like in the way they moved it they definitely like called up the folks over at the Marvel side of things like hey can you help us out with the movement and design of this a little bit how crazy would have been if you just saw robert Downey jr was just in the background like oh, working at, like just working on a soldier just just pan to him quick let's so say you hear like a muffled version of like some acd song see acdc song playing behind a door yeah and you just see moth getting just yell are the soldiers ready and then just bam that's it that's the last time i ever mentioned him but the dark troopers though definitely step it up and they take rogu who's finally done because finally the shield passes and mando cannot save him in time mm-hmm. so thus they take him to the ship. Boba jumps in Slave One mm-hmm. and is trailing him. And then immediately goes, oh, the Empire, they're back. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like, Tyler, what was your reaction when he dropped that line on him? Well, I, I feel like he, him saying that he would know. Yeah. Because he, he didn't just see the full-fledged Empire. He worked for him. So it's like, if Bubba's saying it, then we need to take serious – because a few episodes earlier when uh, the New Republic fighter was trying to get Kara to join their forces and come on and board with the Republic and, and help them out. He even said, he said, this isn't just a few random instances yeah. in this area. Yeah. Something else is going on. And now we've got Bubba basically saying, oh, it's the Empire. They're not just remnants. It's still the empire. There's this feeling that, I mean, so to hear him say that, I was like, okay, so this is, we're getting to see the, the second coming before the first world order, whatever mm-hmm. the hell they are from the sequels. This is like this resurgence that we didn't get to see between the originals. And that's and, one thing. I, and that's one thing I love is that you think back, if back to the old canon where you know uh, rebels beat the empire and and the empire was always there. They were never as strong as they used to be. Right. But they were always they were always there. They were always a force. They had their own little portion of the galaxy, and they kind of just did their own thing. You know, I like this better where they're beaten. They're kind of like tuck went back to the corner with their tail tucked between their legs, but they're still there. They're still a thorn mm-hmm. in the side. They're still causing some issues. And it's one of those whispered things that, like, you hear mention of, but it doesn't get very far, and that works to their benefit. Yeah, it's just crazy to think that since Return of the Jedi, the Empire's been laying that low Mm -hmm. that everybody didn't realize they were back. I mean, the New Republic kind of had an idea, but they really didn't. Right. But for hearing Boba say that line, that Mm -hmm. was like, okay, the stakes are that high, and just his reaction. Like, the body language he was giving off about that. Mm-hmm. was just absolutely crazy just to implement of how deep the threat was because now they have Grogu. Yep. So they're going to go back to doing their exper- experimentations. Yep. Mando is going, I don't have a ship. What am I going to do? Yeah. And then Boba says, listen, we have a deal. 
You gave me my armor back. We're in your debt. We're now pledging our allegiance to you. We will get Grogu back, and then we'll part ways. Which I said when I was watching the episode with my dad. I'm like, you know, being in debt to Boba Fett and having him, you know, having a debt with Boba Fett, not a bad debt to have. No, it's not. <laughs> if you're gonna get one bounty hunter to have your back, that's the guy. Uh huh. And this it episode, like he's this team that's building. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw so many people on Twitter. Not just podcasts, but just regular everyday people who are watching the Mandalorian saying like, so are we going to get like an end game out of this? Is there going to be a a massive Star Wars Avengers final episode or is it going to happen in season three? Are we going to get an Infinity War end game type scenario where the big team's supposed to unite against one common villain and they're the, the guys who end the second coming of the Empire? I think what's going to happen is you're going to have that confrontation with uh, Moff Gideon. And I think what's going to happen is, is I feel like they're not going to bring Giancarlo Esposito in for just two seasons. I feel, I feel what's going to happen is they're going to have a battle. They're going to have a fight. He's going to escape through dastardly, you know, <laughs> means, you know, he's, he's going to get away and then he's going to go slinking off to some other place. And that's when, you know, that he's going to name drop, you know, Kind of like with uh, what was it, uh, Force Awakens, where where Snoke tells Kylo, you know, oh, return to me, it's time to finish your training. One of those oh shit moments, you know. Mm-hmm. It, I but I think in this instance, it's he's going to get in a ship, or he's going to have somebody piloting a ship that he's escaping from, and he's going to go listen. Time to go see Thrawn, and then just name drop that so that like okay, we've heard him name dropped, and like we said in the previous episode, they're not name dropping that just for the grins and giggles of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the tease for season three is that. Moff Gideon is getting Grand Admiral Thrawn involved. I have to agree. Like where I think they're going with this is they've introduced so many characters this season. There's two routes they can go. One, if they want to do like a shared universe show mm-hmm. and almost do it like anthology style. Yeah. They can do that now. I mean, they have enough characters introduced. It would work out perfect. Well, and I think that's kind of where they're going to is, is you think before when they first announced, you know, the new, new movies and, and the spinoff movies, they were going to do standalone movies. But I think what they're doing now is they're going to do standalone, standalone series, mm-hmm. which I think works a whole lot better. I agree. I mean, I think it would make a lot of sense for them to do that. Or they can really just try loading up that new Republic show they keep hinting at. Right. And just have everybody on that show but in what capacity i mean i don't know i mean it's such uncharted water that we don't know until we sail it but they do go back speaking of the new republic to talk to one cara dune mm-hmm. who is now working uh, with the jedi with the new republic yep i mean what was your take on that when you saw that ty uh i mean uh, it was it was great to see cara dune uh you know the, there's all this crap you see in the media about you know, people going after her throat, wanting her taken out of the Mandalorian because of her different difference of opinions than other individuals. And I'm, my mentality is kind of like, look, I don't just like actors and actresses who share my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. as long as they're not being dangerous to others, then, you know, they're, they're allowed to have their opinion. So I'm, I'm excited. Anytime I see Cara Dune, I think she's a force to be reckoned with. Um, I love the reaction when she's like, I can't, you know, I can't just do that stuff anymore. You know, I've got a code of conduct. Uh, and he's like, they got the kid. And there's this shift on her face. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, then I'm helping. 
Yeah. Like it's, it's such a day and night difference when she flips on that. I mean, Gina Carano is acting with Cara Dune. I think has been great. And I think that she really has taken such uh, you know, a kinship to the child that the minute she hears that she's like, okay, what do we got to do? And then mm-hmm. just kind of an ironic take for me, at least I thought is when the Mandalorian says we need to break out Migs Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Now, Pad, when you first heard this, what was your take? Uh, I was a little surprised because, you know, you may not remember the name, but you recognize a face. That's the guy he got, well, he left behind and, and got locked up in the jail cell back in season one. My first reaction was, oh, I wonder how this reunion is going to go. Yeah. Tyler, what was yours? Uh, I mean, I knew, I knew that there was talk of the character coming back and, you know, it was in season one. It's one of those episodes where we were like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a side quest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a side quest episode, but I knew that this character isn't a one-off character. Mm-hmm. He'll be in season two somehow. So when they, he mentioned Migs Mayfield, I was like, okay, I knew he was coming back. So this is the perfect, they would need someone who's good at breaking in places. So, I mean, it's just, it's just perfect. I think. Yeah, like, it makes sense. I just wonder about how the reaction is going to be with that team. And obviously, Mayfield is going to realize you did this to my crew. Mm-hmm. So how is the vibe going to be there? But then again, I could see Boba saying, excuse me, sir, let's have a discussion. Mm-hmm. You are going to work with the Mandalorian. And if you don't, Carbonite's in your future. Put up or shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like he's going to drop some line there and I'm just going to mark out completely like a madman. Cause now with two episodes left, mm-hmm. the stakes are that high. We I have no idea how they're going to end the season No, And I love it. So final thoughts on this episode, Tyler, we'll have you start off the discussion. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed it. I, I haven't, I mean, I was a little tough on like episode two of the season, mm-hmm. but uh, I haven't just been like, okay, that's a throwaway episode for really anything yet i started to talk like that for episode two but after watching it again and then seeing where it led with episode three and then into four and then into five i feel like they're they're dropping all these bombs on us that we're just nerding out over and i have no idea where they're going and it brings back this feeling of from my childhood of i enjoyed not knowing where they were going Uh yeah I, i hated being able to predict stuff so, I mean, I can't predict. Um, you know, we're, we're all wrestling fans. Uh, wrestling these days, is, especially in the WWE, I believe, can be very predictable. Mm-hmm. And we hate that aspect of it. So, giving us something, and not just something, giving us Star Wars that is unpredictable and with the names they've dropped and the fact that they've blown away any credibility that the sequel trilogy had with, with a Disney Plus show, I'm in love. Like I am in love with the Mandalorian <laughs> and, and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Ty. Nothing wrong at all. Pat. I thought, no, I thought it was a great episode. I, and, and like he said, I'm, I'm, I'm great with not knowing things. I mean, and, and, Brent, and bringing that up tomorrow, don't even ask tomorrow Morrison how Boba Fett's alive. Cause even he doesn't know, you know, that's how secretive and, and mysterious that whole thing's being kept. You know, I but I thought it was a great episode. I you know for not having a whole you know, a whole lot of plot development. You know, there was still so much going on, and and the episode by the end of it had this huge like Empire Strikes Back type vibe where it's like oh crap the good guys got their backs against the wall and it doesn't look good and and I loved it. 
This episode was everything I was waiting to see with Pulba. I freaking loved it. I there was nothing wrong with it. Like I said, if anything, it was it was short. But Robert Rodriguez did not waste a lot of time. No, told a quick hmm. story, which we knew it was going to do. Yep, established to anybody who had a shadow of a doubt that Boba Fett was the be- most badass character in all the Star Wars universe. Fully established that within twenty minutes, and now we have a spinoff idea. Mm-hmm. We have kind of a crazy way that we might end season two because with two episodes left, the stakes have been that high. Moth Gideon is now experimenting slowly on Grogu. And now it's up to the Mandalorian to lead a suicide squad almost. almost. I mean, you could just refer to him as that. Yeah. Into a standoff with Moth Gideon that is going to have ramifications of something big going down. But mm-hmm. I am here for that. I did have I, one question. Yes, especially sure. for 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 you, Pad. Okay. We have been proven in not just at the end of season one, where Mandalorian really didn't know a whole lot about the Jedi, mm-hmm. but how does he not know who Boba Fett is, or that's Jango a, Fett, that's or a good, like? That's I a feel good like question. we're learning so much that Mando just does not know about what what else is going on in the galaxy. I think it might be a case of when he was growing up, and then because you you look back to the previous episode where he ran into Bo-Katan and just he he almost like what you know when they took their helmets yeah. off. I think it just might be a case of location, time, and then just his portion of the Mandalorian culture was so cut off from the the population at large with Mandalorian culture that it mm-hmm. just never crossed his crossed his radar. Yeah, I think he's got tunnel vision as far as that. Like growing up, it was just like this is the way. Like no pun intended, but I think he was just very tunnel visioned mm-hmm. on like what he mm-hmm. saw to the outside world. And if that's all you're raised to just focus on like one thing then I'm sure that that's how he doesn't have any idea about it. Mm-hmm. And plus, I think with how the fallout from the Clone Wars and everything involving, they might have just tried shielding him from it as well. Could be. And, and I mean, it also could be a case of maybe when he started out his, his uh, not his Mandalorian, his bounty hunting, you know, career, mm-hmm. he was in a portion of the galaxy where the Empire, by and large, wasn't really a thing. So if, 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 Boba, if Boba Fett's teaming up with the Empire at every drop of the hat, you know, and that's keeping him on the other side of the galaxy. You know, he might not have heard about him, and just might yeah. not. Yeah, it's a it's a wild premise. That I mean, great question too. By the way, I don't know if they'll we'll get the answer for it this season. I, I think I think they will address it at some point. I mean, they're going to have to because it's it's a it's a quiet, subtle point, but it's a point that needs to get brought up. But there was so much going on with this episode, even though, like I said, twenty two minutes, it doesn't matter. They freaking delivered on this. One of the best, if not the best episode they've done thus far. But don't take my word for it. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about episode six of season two or chapter 14, The Tragedy, otherwise known as the Mandalorian episode you need to watch and definitely want to plug again. Dre Driven, family of the show, is doing those Mandalorian Mundre videos. You definitely got to check his reaction because that was the same as mine. But I want to know yours. So hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial. Or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. 
Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. And check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Welcome back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast featuring Tyler Mack from the 30 and Nerdy podcast. Hello there. And now we have to talk some crazy news that broke right after we got done recording, as always, Pat. Goddamn animals. Like, literally put the, put the episode to bed, hit publish, and then the news drops. Yes. And what news was that? Uh, Warner Brothers and Warner Media uh, were so hell-bent and committed to seeing their movies next year come out that they dropped a bombshell of all bombshells in announcing that their entire 2021 film slate is going to be coming to HBO Max. Tyler, what is your thoughts? Thoughts are maybe, just maybe, you know, I've talked about it. You all have talked about it on your show. The, the downloads that they're, they're hoping to have are, are just not there. The subscriptions that they were expecting, they're, they're nowhere near Disney Plus numbers, obviously. So you're kind of backed into this corner like uh, we, only, we not only do we not have the numbers we want, but we're still in the middle of a freaking pandemic. So mm-hmm. what are we going to do? Yeah. So how about this? How about 2021, whatever was coming to theaters, just give it to them. Just throw it out there into the ether. And see if titles like Matrix 4 or Space Jam 2 are going to get more subscriptions. My take, I'm pretty optimistic when it comes to HBO and Warner Brothers because I've always been a Warner kid since I, since I was six. Uh, I think it's going to work. I do. I do think it'll help uh, extremely, and I'm excited, especially to see titles like Godzilla vs. King Kong, Matrix 4, uh, and, and Wonder Woman, of course, at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I think it's a move that they absolutely had to do just because not just, you know, Warner Brothers, but every movie studio is is feeling the hurt with the pandemic this year. And that's true for not just movie studios, but for a lot of businesses. And I think this is just them going, you know, it's it's like a twofold thing. And like and it's like Tyler said, it's they need the subscribers. And like we said, they're whining about subscribers, but it took them 130 plus 140 plus days to get on Amazon Fire Stick and they're still not on Roku you know, two of the biggest streaming providers in, in, on the planet, you know, and, and I think doing this is a smart move on their part because that will bring eyes to the, to the product. You know, there, I've seen a lot of comments online for folks that, you know, they want to do it, but there's just not enough there, you know, 
original programming or stuff they're looking for or whatever. But I think this is, you know, especially with as up in the air as things are, no, what, no matter what state you're in, you know, some states you can go to the theater, some up here where we live, you, you know, you can't yet, you know, so I think this is just, and plus I know everyone here and I'm sure everyone listening at home misses seeing new movies, you know, don't get, don't get me wrong. I love watching the Marvel movies. I love watching Star Wars movies and all the stuff on Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max and Amazon Prime and all that. But I will, I want to see new stuff. You know, the last new movie I saw, you know, that wasn't something I had missed and, and I'd seen years later was Birds of Prey in February. Mm, me you too. Know, so it's, it's, a, it's good. Tyler, you were saying there? That was mine. That was my last movie yeah, I saw. Yeah, no, I mean, it was just one of those things. Break. Like, it's the last one I saw, and I want to see new stuff, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Now, Pad, you got the press release, so I'll, I'll let you read that off before I get talking. Yep, here. so they put out this press release on December 3rd, so this is, comes to us courtesy of the folks at Warner Media, and it says, uh, quote, Today, the Warner Brothers Pictures Group announced that it has committed to releasing its 2021 film slate via a unique consumer-focused distribution model in which Warner Brothers will continue to exhibit the films theatrically worldwide while adding an exclusive one-month access period on the HBO Max streaming platform in the U.S. concurrent with the film's domestic release. The hybrid model was created as a strategic response to the impact of the ongoing global pandemic, particularly in the U.S., following the one-month HBO Max access period domestically. Each film will leave the platform and continue theatrically in the U.S. and international territories, with all customary distribution windows applying to the title. All films will be available in 4K Ultra HD and HDR on HBO Max. This announcement was made today by Ann Sarnoff, Chair and CEO, Warner Media Studios and Networks Group, of which Warner Brothers is a part, and Jason Kalar, CEO of Warner Media. Warner Brothers Pictures Group's 2021 expected release slate currently includes The Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah, Tom and Jerry, Godzilla vs. King Kong, Mortal Kombat, Those Who Wish Me Dead, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, Space Jam, A New Legacy, The Suicide Squad, Reminiscence, Malignant, Dune, The Many Saints of Newark, King Richard, Cry Macho, and Matrix 4. Uh, quote, and then uh, Ann Saranoff saying, quote, we're living in unprecedented times which call for creative solutions, including the new initiative for the Warner Brothers Pictures Group. No one wants films back on the big screen more than we do. We know that we know the new new content is the lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but we have to balance this with the reality that most theaters in the U.S. will likely operate at reduced capacity throughout 2021. With this unique one-year plan, we can support our partners in exhibition with a steady pipeline of world-class films, while also giving moviegoers who may not have access to theaters or aren't quite ready to go back to the movies the chance to see our amazing 2021 films. We see it as a win-win for film lovers and exhi- exhibitors. And we're extremely grateful to our filmmaking partners for working with us on this innovative response to these circumstances, close quote. So my take on this is one, this makes sense for business. This is what Warner Brothers needs to do. I don't struggle with this at all. No, no. The only thing that I originally struggled when it came out with is they announced the entire movie slate and they didn't just say until further notice. Mm-hmm. But that's minor though. Because sure. we have to realize that they have a backlog of movies now just sitting waiting to get distributed. Oh my god, and it's not just them like you look at just every major movie studio and the list of movies that they potentially have coming out next year. It's going to be damn near impossible to find a time for you as a movie like if if you or I or even Tyler or like the head of Warner Media to figure out all right, what uh, so let's see. Uh should we put this movie out in the third week of April? Well shit, we can't do that. 
you know, far 20th century studios has got a uh, tentpole movie coming out, you know, Disney's got one the week before, you know, and then Sony pictures has got one two weeks after that. So it's, it's just one of those things that it just makes sense. Yeah, it's something that makes sense and that it will get eyes on the product. Mm-hmm. It's a big win for HBO max, which has struggled coming out of the gate. I mean, Pat has talked about it on every single episode, how it's not on Roku and Amazon fire until just recently. Yeah. Or one of them. Yeah. Say it's on Amazon fire. Still not on Roku. Right. But, is something that for a struggling platform, and I know Tyler, you've talked about this at length with the stream wars that you've done on your podcast mm-hmm. to get eyes on your product. You have to have new stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't just rehash old movies. You can't rehash old TV shows. You need to get people something new and fresh. And especially for a struggling streaming service that really needs to get jump started. Mm-hmm. They, this is a win-win. And I mean, the only thing that I think is going to hold them up, and, I, and I'm just hearing kind of some very loose uh, rumblings from uh, some distribution deals that they have for the productions of movies that might be halting some movies coming to HBO Max. Sure. But at the end of the day, we're still living in that COVID era. Mm-hmm. We can't go to movie theaters. I mean, my last one I went to was Bloodshot. Right. I would love to go back to a theater and, and watch this. We can't. But if this means I get to watch a movie and we'll have some new content, great. Because the other thing, too, which I think people are forgetting about with this, it's not to say these movies will not go to the big screen yeah. at some point. Well, no, I mean, it even says right in the press release that, you know, it's going to run concurrent with the, its theatrical run, mm-hmm. you know, if your theater is open. So, I mean, if you are one of these fortunate people that, you know, theaters are open in your area. And, and like I said, where we live, they're not just because Regal shut down as, as their, their parent company shut down for the year. AMC, I don't know what the hell's going on. They haven't reopened. And then there's a local, you know, second run theater here, you know, that is closed down for the year. So if you're one of these folks who are fortunate enough to have theaters open in your area, you very plausibly could go see Matrix 4, Dune, Godzilla vs. King Kong, and then immediately go home and rewatch it again. Now, is it going to be the same experience as what you just saw in theaters? No, but you know, you don't have to do that typical wait six months or whatever it is for it to come out on Blu-ray or DVD to watch it again or pay another 10 bucks to go see it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And, but I think with like movies like Godzilla vs. King Kong, that's meant to see on a big screen. Mm-hmm. So I think Warner brothers is smart enough to say, okay, we didn't get a hundred percent of our movie theaters that would normally air this film open. Mm-hmm. Let's put it back out. If you do a limited release of it after you've already had on HBO Max, you're still going to make money off it. Let's face it. The fans that have been excited to see this want to see it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody says, no, it's coming to my laptop. I'm down for this. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you, if you look at that slate and so much coming out and how the fan base has been so rabid, and I mean, Tyler, let me ask you this. How many people do you know have been like clamoring for to see Wonder Woman 84? Oh my god. Like we've been waiting for Wonder Woman 84 since Wonder Woman. Yeah. We've been waiting for a a blockbuster DC film since the last actual quality blockbuster DC film oh, so we we've had. Been, we've been waiting for Wonder Woman 84 because it just came up on my Facebook memories the other day that like the first trailer dropped something like two years ago. Right. Yeah, it's been two years since we saw the first trailer. We've been dying to see this movie. So, and, and the, another thing, like, obviously it's just like masks. Like, nobody wakes up in the morning going, oh my God, I, I'm so excited I get to wear my mask out in public today. Nobody loves the fact that we don't get to go to movie theaters. 
We hate it. We want to be in the movies. Yeah. But do you want the content? Do do you want to see Wonder Woman? They're giving us an opportunity. Yeah. That's what we want deep down. We want the opportunity. So I'm just going to take it. I'm I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm going to Christmas night when everybody's asleep, I'm going to turn on Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max. And I'm going to mark out because we've been waiting for this film for two years. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like, we're going to have content. I'll probably be yeah. up at midnight so Santa can sit up and pull up a chair and watch it with me and then, you know, do what he's got to run around the rest of the North Pole. And that's where you want to have, though. You want to have that content. We've been waiting at a fever pitch. I mean, if you want to even take it to a smaller scale, and I know I'm going to compare apples to oranges here. Mm-hmm. How many people lost their mind when the WandaVision trailer came out? Oh, yeah. And that's just going to Disney+. Plus. So now you have a, a movie that everybody is excited to go see. The trailer has been out forever. You're going to get it in a small screen format. You're making the best of the bad situation we're in. And then you know Warner Brothers is going to say, as soon as everything is back up and running, we're going to put it back to the big screen where it belongs. How can anybody be mad about this? Like, I can understand if you're a movie theater owner, you would have an issue. I, oh, yeah. I get that. But like we say, you can't deal with the situation that we are all dealing with in a normal manner. Right. I mean, the, the studios are, you know, thinking on a much larger scale than just one single chain of, of theaters. They're thinking on a global scale, you know, and I, and I get the theaters are frustrated and upset and that's fine. That's, that's their prerogative. That's, Absolutely. That, you know, that's fine. But the studios are thinking on a global scale where they have, pro- and, and Lord knows there's probably stuff on the back end of contracts that these movies have got to come out by a certain point. You know, there's probably a lot of stuff that we're not hearing about or even language in contracts that is really like giving their lawyers fits that they're trying to figure this all out. And this is just like a band-aid to the situation. I think it's also a case of, and let's face it, the, the theater industry is notorious for it. They're, they're not one to want to change. They have mm-hmm. the biggest issue with change. Let's not forget that I forget what movie it was, but it was a universal movie that they were thinking about putting out on prime video on demand and i don't mean amazon prime video on demand but i mean like you go through your your, yeah. your cable provider and it's like 30 bucks it wasn't like a fast and furious type movie but it was it was a fairly big movie that they wanted to put it out and then amc theaters threw the biggest hissy fit and went we're not going to show universal movies ever again you know it's, it's just like okay you, i know universal isn't trying to screw amc on this one but they're just trying to make their money back at a point where the movie's still relevant. People are still going to want to see it because it, it was, I can't remember, like I said, I can't remember the movie. Somebody will, I'm sure, screaming it at their, their, their car speakers right now. But it was Trolls World Tour. Was that what it was? Okay. Thank so, you. So that's one of those movies that like, okay, you know, the, the, the demand for it is there now. This isn't a movie, like you said, with Godzilla versus King Kong, where, okay, the movie comes out when it comes out, you can re-release it and people who didn't get to go see it are going to see it again. And even people who saw it are going to go see it again. That's one of those movies that's like, okay, we got to put it out while the eyes are on it now because in six months, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to want to see it. You know, so I get, I get that the theaters mm-hmm. are, you know, kind of a, a little pissed about it, but you got to think of it on a larger scale. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that this is going to cause a domino effect too because this, my next question is going right to Tyler. So Warner Brothers is now moving their content to HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Do you see anybody else following suit? I think... I think if not, if not by Christmas, by New Year, 
I truly think that Marvel announces that Black Widow will open the year on Disney Plus, even if it's just for a month. I can see it happening. I can see it too. I mean, just because I, I know Marvel Disney as well has got a lot of stuff they want to get put out. Mm-hmm. And and obviously they took a bit, bit of egg on the face with you know Mulan and and making that thirty dollars to watch and and then like a month lag. I know I know it just hit regular yeah. subscribers to be able to watch it just the other day. Yeah, I know they took a lot of egg on the face. I think they want to get rid of that egg as as quickly as possible. And I and mm-hmm. I I think they might follow suit. I I know for a fact, and you know this isn't anything I've been told, but you know that the executives of various levels at Disney are paying attention to this and they're going to see how it plays out. And they might already have a plan ready to go. They just, we want to see how this goes and see how this works for them before we pull the trigger on this. Because I think the instance, it, it, it'll, it, this could work for HBO Max in that it'll bring subscribers to it. But I think the big, the issue, it might not work as well for Disney is because like we said, Disney Plus has got more subscribers partially because of the content and what it offers and it, it appeals to kids. And, and if you're a parent who's got, you know, two, three kids, it's real easy to just throw on a Disney movie and go do the laundry or go cook dinner or something. But that's because it's like, what, seven ninety nine, you know, eight ninety nine, whatever. Yeah. It's one of the cheapest ones out there. HBO max on the other hand, if you don't have HBO through your cable service provider is like $15. So it's going to be big dividends for HBO max, but are they going to stick around and, and Disney? You've already got a lot of people there. So you're, are you really going to add that many more? It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, I, I think the argument that you ha- you're going to have is I agree. I think that stuff is going to get moved to Disney plus because mm-hmm. I think what's going to happen is everybody is watching how wonder woman 84 is going to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see a bigger moment for the movies this year. And I know this is going to sound absolutely crazy here. You're not going to see a bigger moment than to hear the numbers of downloads and plays if this gets released. And I have to imagine Warner's going to release this. Oh, you you have to figure, but I also feel like you have to asterisk it it a bit because were this like a a random day in May? Oh yeah. I'd agree with you, but you got to asterisk it it a little bit because it's, christmas day so 95 percent of the population is going to be at home anyway right but that's where they really want to inflate the number which i get oh and sure because sure because what's going to happen and i and let me pose this question to you ty if you hear like let's say for example you weren't signed up for hbo max for whatever reason and you hear wonder woman 84 did 100 million views or some like insane worldwide wouldn't you go hmm what's all the hype about i need to subscribe yeah, I would. Yeah, if if I wasn't, uh, and I and I I scrolling on social media and I see the views and and the bomb that Wonder Woman dropped, then yeah, I, I subscribe absolutely. I mean, just to kind of compare it, I did that a little bit with that chess show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, what I, Grandmaster, I think is what it's called. Now, you know, I've never played chess a day in my life. I you know have no interest to. It's just not you know not one of my things. But I heard about the show. I knew about the show, but I was like, oh, okay, whatever. It's a show. I saw the numbers, and it was like 64 million people streamed it in like the first 28 days. It was a Netflix record. Seeing that number kind of made me go, huh, I might have to check this out and see what all the hype's about. Yeah, because that's all you're going to have with this. Is there going to be so much hype about this? And Warner Brothers is stupid. No. The fact that they're putting this on mm-hmm. Christmas Day, you have to, you're maximizing the potential of eyes you're going to get on your product. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's home. 
I mean, the only thing that you'll have rivaling is people watching the NBA that day for sports, because I mean, that's, if you're a sports fan, that is a big sports day with the NBA. Yeah, sure. So that will rival, but I'm, but you're, that's, you know, you're not competing against the NBA audience. You're competing against other streaming services. Sure. So for them, they're going to be having so many eyes on their product. It's going to be astronomical. Like I'm expecting to hear some crazy number. Then the move goes, okay, Disney, Netflix, mm-hmm. Amazon video, your move. And mm-hmm. then how do they respond? That's where the issue is going to be. And I think that Disney is going to respond because. Oh, they have to. I, do, I, I just can't see for the life of me, even though it's the mouse and the mouse does not flinch for anybody. I just can't see them saying, okay, we'll take the L on this. We failed with Mulan. Warner Brothers is going to run crazy on HBO Max. We're going to sit idle. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. No. 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 I, like, I would not doubt that you do not hear an announcement of a release date for Black Widow on Disney+. And then they'll say, when the theaters are open, we'll put it in there. Yeah, because I, I would say right now, Disney Plus is probably the best streaming service there is, just content-wise. Content and price-wise. You know, price-wise, content-wise. HBO Max makes a real push for that, just it, like for this coming year, obviously. And if they continue to do that down the road, you know, 2022 and on, where, hey, we'll still put the movies out in theaters if you want to go see it in theaters. But if you don't, for whatever reason, or let's just face it, there are portions, you know, I remember when I was in college, you know, I had to drive about a half hour south to go to the nearest theater to see, you know, a couple movies. That, that I'm sure is the case for a lot of people, if not longer drives, but they might have some internet out at the, out at their place. So, hey, you know, we get, you can't go see the movie because for whatever reason, it's too far, but you can still watch it in your house. You know, HBO Max, if they continue to do this, makes a serious push that they're the best deal out there. Well, you're going to think with all that original content, they're going to have to. Mm-hmm. So... But that being said, we definitely want to pose that question to the ODPH Society. What do you think about all this content moving to Warner Brothers? Is it going to help? Is it going to hurt? And where do you think the dominoes fall from here? But unfortunately, our guest has to go. So, Tyler, first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me, boys. Anytime, man. Anytime you want to come on the ODPH, you know your family. You can just knock on the door and let us know when you want to come through. But why don't you let our listening audience know what is going on with 30 and Nerdy and what the future holds, how do they get a hold of you? You know how to do this. Absolutely. Uh, we just had our season two finale, which featured uh, Ken M. Him, here himself. We talked about the age of superheroes. That's wherever you cast your pod. We are in the middle of our off season. However, at 30 and Nerdy Podcast, we are doing a spinoff show called The Road So Far. And that's all about the hit show Supernatural. Uh, you can find anything that's going on with the show at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Or hit me up on Twitter at 30 and Nerdy Pod, hashtag 30 and Nerdy Pod. I love communicating with other nerds and nerdettes. So that's where you can find me, and I hope that I'll be talking to y'all soon. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. And to our listening audience, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on the Villainsdemand.com. 
This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Before we get into one shots, if you kind of hear stuff's a little different, we had to unfortunately end our Zoom call with Tyler Mack from 30 and Nerdy, but we are definitely going to have him back on, and that was our first time doing Zoom here on the yeah. ODPH, so hopefully you get to get some more of the pod family in here to do the little crossover action. I know we're long overdue to have a few special guests in the new year on the show, so definitely stay tuned for that. I was saying to any parents who've been dealing with Zoom since, like, February or March, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That's a nightmare. Yeah. This Holy was, shit. It was something we we had to work with for the first time. So, like yeah. I say, if you hear a little audio difference, it didn't take anything away from the quality. It's a great conversation, and definitely yeah. you need to check out 30 and Nerdy. We'll put their information in the liner notes, so definitely shout-out to Tyler and everybody over at Backcast Productions. But now let's get to some one-shots, Pat. Got a few things to talk about. The first one caught me by surprise. Uh, first was an interview that Marv Group CEO Ziggy Kamasa did with the folks over at, uh, it was reported over by Deadline. So if you're not familiar, uh, they are some of the folks responsible for the Kingsman movies. Uh, Ken, how much do you like the Kingsman movies? I love the Kingsman movies. The Kingsman movies are so good. I did get the uh, first two movies on like a 4K Blu-ray box set for my birthday, so I definitely got to re- re-watch those. Uh, but the uh, Ziggy did give a rather interesting quote uh, today as we record, uh, where he said, quote, we want to grow the business, grow the business and output uh, we have a Kingsman TV series in the works, and there are two or three other franchises that are being developed alongside the Kingsman world. So apparently there's, quote, something like seven more Kingsman movies being planned. How? I have no idea, but I'm all for it. I mean, well, I guess the Fast and Furious can make 15 of them or whatever. Twist my goddamn arm, you know, why don't you? I'm down to see the Kingsman because it's just incredible. Twist my goddamn arm. You know, first one, Kingsman, the Secret Service was a surprise hit. It made 41, or excuse me, $414.3 million worldwide on an $85 million budget. Uh, and it, its uh, sequel, Kingsman, the Golden Circle, was also a pretty good follow-up hit. Uh, it made $410.9 million worldwide from a $104 million budget. So, of course, the third one uh, is scheduled to arrive in theaters February next year. Uh, that is the one, one of the Kingsmen, I forget what it's called, but it's a prequel. Yeah, it's the prequel. It's the the prequel. Kingsman. Oh, that's right. Yes, the Kingsman. So definitely looking forward to that one. But give me more Kingsman. I'm all for it. Yeah, I, the more content, the better. And obviously that's a series. The fact they're talking to in seven. Uh-huh. I'm that all just, for it. That blows my mind. But like, like I say, if we can have the Fast and Furious go on for 15 yeah. films until they go in space and they go yeah. on the other side of space and come out on the Star Trek Enterprise, it's going to happen. So yeah. you know what? More content. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some video game news. Uh, rather interesting matchups going to be taking place on December 11th. Uh, that is between the U.S. military and the United Kingdom military. Oh. No, they're not going to be fighting each other. They're not going to be, you know, no war games type of scenario. War no. games. Yeah. Uh, no, they're going to be competing against each other in Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, and that's for charity. So this is being presented by USAA. Uh, the charity is meant to raise awareness and funds for veteran employment and will feature esports teams from all five U.S. Department of Defense military branches and the U.K.'s military, military's British Army, 
Royal Air Force, and Royal Navy. Uh, this year new, include new teams from the U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Air Force, and the U.S. Space Force. Oh. Uh, so the code, it's, it's titled The Code, C-O-D-E. Uh, bowl will begin at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time or 6 p.m. GMT on December 11th. And each team will compete in Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, and a tournament-style competition. Furthermore, each team will be captained by a popular Call of Duty streamer, teamed up with another top influencer and service members from the United States and the United Kingdom. So that's definitely going to be something to check out. I know Call of Duty esports is rather fucking bonkers. As somebody who used to play it once upon a time, I've watched a, not a ton, but I've watched a few uh, Call of Duty esports competitions, and they're just fucking nuts. I mean, I watch the ones that our friends do on Twitch. I mean, shout out East Coast Avengers, shout out Spy Hearts Podcast. I know when everybody gets together and kind of like teams up to do some work about that, it's always fun to watch. And of course, mm-hmm. Crazy Curse Gaming, gotta give a shout out to yeah. the Young Gun of the 607 Podcast. Yeah. So I can only imagine mm-hmm. the people that really know what they're doing. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And it's nothing against the guys that are playing on, on Twitch. I don't want to say that. But I'm saying you're talking about the military. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that's going to be something. That's going to be nuts. It's going to be something bonkers to yeah. watch. Uh, switching over to some books slash TV, you know, movie news. It, it's a, it's for a good cause. Uh, Ian McKellen on Twitter, uh, a couple to, about a week or so ago, uh, put out a rather interesting video, but one that definitely caught my eye. Uh, the tweet read, unlike other writers of his stature, there is no center devoto- devoted to J.R.R. Tolkien anywhere in the world yet. Uh, and what he posted was a video featuring the likes of himself Annie Lennox, Martin Freeman, Jonathan Rhys Davies, and a bunch of other authors and folks tied in with Lord of the Rings uh, in writing. And basically what they're trying to do is the uh, home that J.R.R. Tolkien lived in from 1920 to 1937. So that's when he wrote The Hobbit and he was working on Lord of the Rings uh, is up for sale. Uh, and, And so there's a nice little plaque there, but there's really no place for Tolkien. You know, there's no museum there's no you know what have you where you can like go and learn everything about him and what have you yeah i mean he taught at oxford when when he was in his formative years but there's really no place and and what these folks and the folks over at project northmore uh, are looking to do is they're looking to purchase jrr tolkien's home and turn it into a writing center and a place that people can go to to learn about tolkien oh interesting so uh if you go to projectnorthmore.org we'll have the link in the uh, show notes uh basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to raise six million uh, U.S. dollars. I think it translates to about four or four point five million pounds uh, to buy the house. So currently, as we sit here recording, they are ten percent of the way towards their goal, or six hundred thousand dollars U.S. Uh, and and so there are in some interesting little stretch goals. Uh, if you're familiar with you know raising money of sorts, uh, so if they raise four million pounds or five point four million dollars. They can buy the house mm. uh, for four point five million dollars, or six point, or excuse me, four point five million pounds, or six point one million dollars. Uh, they could buy the house, plus they could renovate it into a homely house. Tolkien uh, would recognize and restore the garden. So for four point six million pounds or six point two million dollars, uh, they could buy the house, renovate it, uh, and restore the garden, plus. They could establish a fund uh, for bursaries to help those uh, from low-income background come to a house for one of the creative courses or special events. For 4.7 million pounds or 6.3 million dollars, they could do all the previous stuff, uh, and then plus they could build a hobbit house at the end of the garden. Uh, for 4.8 million pounds or 6.45 million dollars, uh, they could do everything else. 
Plus, they could build a uh, flat in Tolkien's tree and Smog's lair for pipe smokers. So definitely something to check out. Donate if you if you can. Like we said, currently uh, they are sitting at 10% of their goal. Should know, uh, it says on their uh, website, uh, everyone who gives 20 pounds or $25 or more will receive a special certificate email printable PDF crafted by illustrator Keith Robinson for Project Northmore. Other great giving levels receive special perks as well. Uh, so you can visit their website to check out more. Uh, but it is a unique design created for Project Northmore uh, by Keith Robinson. And each uh, certificate, I should note, is numbered individually and your name is imprinted on the certificate. So definitely something That's to check That's a cool idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. And I never realized that there really wasn't anything for Tolkien. But this is a great idea. And I really hope they get this done. Yeah, it's absolutely wild to like think there hasn't been anything done before. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the thing is, the one one takeaway I got from this. Is yeah, like, how has there not been anything done before? Yeah, no, it's just one of those weird circumstances. But definitely hope that happens. Absolutely. Switching over to some video game news. Uh, this one caught me definitely by surprise. So three Sony Japan developers, uh, one Junya Okura, uh, Kazunobu Sato, and uh, Kaichiro Toyama, have left the studio to create a new studio called. Bokeh Game Studio. Now, if you haven't heard of the names, you've definitely heard of their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toyama is best known as the director of Silent Hill and the Gravity Rush series, uh, is going to serve as the studio's creative director alongside lead Gravity Rush designer Okura and Sato, uh, who was the lead designer of The Last Guardian. Uh, they will lead uh, the, the new game studio as an independent game studio with the goal of rediscovering the joy of making games. Uh Toyama said, quote, first, I want to fulfill our fans' expectations, but at the same time, I want to go back and enjoy how fun it is to make games. I want to share that feeling to the players. This is what I'll aim for from now on, close quote. So definitely a little surprising. Those are some pretty big names over in Japan for making video games and also very big games they've worked on. So definitely interesting to see what they come out with, especially being independent. Yeah, that's a big move by them. Yeah. Huge. Like, I mean, just looking at the track record and then what they're bringing now. Mm-hmm. Sky's the limit. Yeah. And then uh, switching over to some TV streaming news, we got some uh, casting news for the upcoming Hawkeye Disney Plus series. Uh, Florence Pugh has been uh, cast to, I guess, reprise. Can she reprise a role if it hasn't been seen on TV on screen yet? I will say reprise because we've seen a trailer. Ah, uh, okay. So I'll give the asterisks for it. Okay. Uh, Florence Pugh is reprising her role as Elena Belova. Of course, she plays the uh, sister of Black Widow in the MCU. Uh, Farmiga. Uh, or, uh, yeah, Vera Farmiga is also been cast in it. Farmiga is going to play El- Eleanor Bishop, who is Kate Bishop's mother. Uh, Fra Fee has been cast. Uh, she was in Les Miserables and is going to be in the upcoming Cinderella film, which I'll be honest, I didn't even know was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been cast as Kazi, uh, a villain who was also known as the clown. Uh, Tony Dalton has been uh, cast as uh, Jack Dukens. Uh So those who are not familiar, uh, in Marvel, Dukens, also known as Swordsman, is a mentor figure. Mm-hmm mentor figure to Hawkeye and he's kind of fluctuated back and forth between a good guy and a bad guy over the years. Uh, So then also joining the show is Alqua Cox. Uh, This is her uh, in her first on-screen appearance. will play Maya Lopez or Echo. Uh, Echo is often depicted as a supporting character to Daredevil. Uh, We should know Echo is a Native American individual with the ability to perfectly mimic her opponent's movements. She's also one of the few deaf comic characters in the Marvel Universe. Uh, and then lastly, but not leastly, uh, you have Zahn McLarnon. Uh, Zahn McLarnon, if you look him up, you might be familiar f- with him if you've seen Westworld. Uh, he will play William Lopez, uh, who is most likely going to be uh, Maya Lopez's father, named Willie Crazy Horse Lincoln. 
If you haven't read the Matt Fraction Hawkeye story that this is based off of, what the hell's wrong with you? My God, you gotta step it up. I know that obviously they are really loading this up with uh, characters. Echo, really excited to see when she comes on the screen. Yeah, and you know the Swordsman, I'm not the biggest fan of. Sure, I just never have been. Sure, I mean it's not my century level of hate. (laughs) Which, by the way, (sighs) yeah, I'm just you. So what you're saying is you didn't pour one out. Oh, I didn't pour one out when that happened to him, and that's that issue. I don't want to spoil it yet again because <laughs> I have to reread that just to really enjoy it because I saw the panel, and I was like, <sighs> but I digress. The, this Hawkeye series is going to be a big win. I fully think when yeah. it gets to Disney+, Plus, they're doing the smart things with it. And obviously, having Yelena in this is going to be a huge move, too. Mm-hmm. So where they're going to go with this, and like I said, it's going to be based off the Fraction and David Ja run, so... I'm excited to see what they're going to do here. Obviously, if you haven't read that book series, I scream about it all the time. You need to go check it. And really, when they start diving into it, I know some still photos have been getting leaked out for it as well. So they are filming right now. Obviously, this is going to kick into Young Avengers, too, at some point with Kate Bishop being involved. My guess is we might hear something about that at Mm -hmm. uh, the – I think I actually just jumped the gun a little bit because it's the investors call meeting this week. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's the next thing we're going to mention. The Disney investors call is taking place this this coming week, Uh, a couple days here. What day is this? Uh, On Thursday, December 10th. Uh, The call is scheduled for 4.30 in the afternoon Eastern time or 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon uh, Pacific time. Uh, And should note, it's expected to last four hours. Damn. So, uh, and the running theory is uh, reportedly, according to Deadline, uh, this will reveal new projects from Marvel Studios, Pixar, and Lucasfilm. Uh, so, the thing we should know is, uh, and I can't take credit for this, uh, this was tweeted by uh, one Nicholas Whitcomb uh, on Twitter, who said, quote, I didn't even realize Disney Investor Day presentation is expected to be four hours long. For comparison, last year was two and a half hours, and we got an avalanche of news, including our first preview of Disney+. Plus. So, this is almost double the length there's gonna be a lot so i would imagine if like we mentioned in the first or was it no second segment that they might put out black widow on disney plus or what they're planning on doing with 2021 films this might be the place where you hear about it i will do a locks and leaps for this okay all right your lock is they're gonna announce the fate of black widow okay win lose or draw you're gonna find out when she is going to make her appearance either on disney plus or at the movies or both Mm -hmm. your leap I think that maybe you'll be hearing about some more projects coming out. I think Young Avengers is on the table. Could be. I think that you have to really be seeing everything they've been setting up since mm-hmm. Endgame, mm-hmm. even a little prior to. Yeah. You have to really take in toll of what they're doing, especially we have the announcement of Kang, mm-hmm. the Conqueror, yep. joining the universe. Yep. So with all that moving parts happening, I think we're going to get a little more blueprint of the future of Disney+. Plus. Maybe yeah. not so yeah. much the MCU, Unless we have concept art mm-hmm. for possibly Fantastic Four. Right. I mean. That's some, my lead. Yeah. So some of the stuff I know is being speculated online. Uh, from the Disney side of things, uh, there is the Tom Hanks Pinocchio uh, film that's being worked on. Right. So a theatrical trailer is kind of figured for that. Also, the I believe they're working on a live action Peter Pan film as well. So expect that. I know they're also doing a Cruella film of some capacity. So or, Expect something maybe from that Marvel side of things. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings could see something from that. They did finish filming. Let's not forget Eternals. Christ, it's been however long since they supposedly finished filming that. Right. Lord knows. Uh, you know, then you've got Thor Love and Thunder coming up. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. 
Black Panther 2 is supposed to start filming, you know, sometime mm-hmm. early next year. So you might hear some stuff about that. Uh, Captain Marvel sequel is, is coming down the pike. You might hear something about that. You know, then you got Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Blade, Ant-Man 3, you know. And like you said, could hear first kind of inklings of maybe what they're going to do with X-Men and Fantastic Four. Uh, for Star Wars, uh, obviously, there's been a lot of rumors and rumblings with the Mandalorian and the spinoff series. Uh, we know they're, there's going to be a season three, so don't go, oh, they're going yeah, yeah. to announce season three. No, they've already greenlit season three. Yeah, they, they already green- said three was done. They greenlit season three a long time ago. They're working on it. Uh, but if they plan to do a spinoff, maybe something's revealed there. Who knows? Uh, I would figure, though, we get an update on the Cassian Andor Rogue One prequel. Uh, because I think that's supposed to start filming sometime early next year. Uh, and then also the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah, we're definitely going to get some more Star Wars stuff, yeah. I would say. You, uh, like, you, it's serious stuff. Not yeah. just the rumors we've all been kind of waiting about. Well, and you got to figure that there might have been some, there was probably some stuff penned in for like, okay, we'll announce this, this, and this. And then there was some stuff like, you know, might have been in pencil that they're like, do we want to do this? Do we want to hold off on this? But I think given the fact of what HBO Max and Warner Media did last week and just kind of they like they dominated the news and, and social media for a couple of days after it was announced, mm-hmm. they got to come in, you know, full force. Yeah, that's why I said you're going to hear some real serious stuff coming down that now is going to be rumor, not the stuff that we were kind of guessing. Like they're going to say, no, this is how we're coming with yeah. the Arsenal because I know it. it as much as they don't want to say it, and I know, like I said before, the mouse does not bend the knee no. to Warner Brothers. So they're going to want to take the headlines back and have social media blow up for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Because that's usually a runtime when announcements happen. Well, so let's not forget just how bonkers it was last year when they announced all that stuff for Disney+. Plus. It was just like, mm-hmm. holy, it was almost overwhelming. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be four hours now. Well, I think they're going to go, Yo. this is where we've been, this is where we're going, and then maybe they'll do like some light Q&A. Mm-hmm. Some, some extremely light Q&A, maybe. so not saying that you, know, you should try calling in your shop, but hey, you never know. You never know. And since we're talking about streaming, we have a new competitor that has entered the ring. Quibi's come back? Oh, we can only hope. I want to know actually what's going on with that Marvel vs. DC show. The one that we were covering in New York Comic Con. I think I think they were. Uh, I read some place that they were shopping it around to other places, which is limited given the content. But you know, but if there's a streaming service that wants to jump in the fray, they should take after Lifetime. Oh my lord! Because it's going down Sunday, December thirteenth, twelve o'clock. Mario Lopez is Colonel Sanders. This isn't a joke, folks. This is not a joke. I was really trying to wrap my head around this when Pad showed me. And I can't take credit. I was not aware of this. I simply saw a tweet about this, and I went, what in the God's name is this? Pulled up a trailer. He, Ken and I both watched the trailer. I still don't know what the hell it is I saw. It seems like a spoof movie or like a fake trailer for a movie. No, it's real. Oh, I know. It's it's real. <laughs> and. But we, it but it plays like one of those mid two thousand late two thousands uh, April Fool's trailers that you'd see online. Like, oh yeah, like there was the one IGN did for a, a Legend of Zelda movie. The, it looks like one of those that it's like, oh, this is clearly a trailer, a spoof trailer. Oh my god, wait, no, it's not. No, it's real, and I am here for it because this absolutely looks like a hot mess. Express Mario Lopez is Colonel Sanders. Hey. 
in a recipe for seduction. Aye. We all have our secrets. Aye. His just happens to be a recipe. I'm, I'm looking at the Lifetime uh, YouTube page where we watch the video, and the description of the video reads, quote, premieres de- Sunday, December 13th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time on Lifetime, presented by KFC and Lifetime. So KFC signed off on this shit. Oh, yeah, they're over this poster. Uh, as the holidays draw near, a young heiress contends with the affections of a su- suitor handpicked by her mother. When the handsome chef Harlan Sanders arrives with his secret fried chicken recipe and a dream, he sets in motion a series of events that unravels the mother's devious plans. Will our plucky heiress escape to her wintry happily ever after with Harlan at her side, or will she cave to the demands of family and duty? Good God. This is real. I wish I could say we were making it up, but no, this is real. Whatever Mario Lopez got paid for this movie, it wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> For 15 minutes, too. That's what allegedly this is running for. 15 minutes of streaming on Lifetime this Sunday, as we were recording, so December 13th, at noon, Eastern Standard Time. And then it's going to streaming. I'm reading some of the comments on this video. Uh, One person, uh, and the French say Americans have no culture. Take that! Uh, Somebody else, this looks like a disaster. I'm in. Uh, And I'm going by top comments on YouTube, I should note. Uh, Somebody else thought this was an SNL sketch for sure. Uh, somebody else goes, looks like KFC execs have a huge sense of humor or they've lost their marbles. I I think they lost a damn mind. <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody has a good point, though. A recipe for seduction is going to be this generation's snakes on a plane. It, it quite possibly could be. Snakes on a plane's got a better TV edit, though. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing. Th- you have to go online to find the trailer. Like, we cannot do enough justice no. for this. It is something to say you saw. And we uh, we might have to cover this next week. We might have to. Oh, my God. Somebody had a good point in the comments. They should have called this 50 Herbs and Spices. Oh. Oh, that would have been better. God. Yes. That would have been amazing. I might have to watch this because it's a fucking train wreck waiting to happen. <laughs> good God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's going down this Sunday on Lifetime 2020, folks. Uh-huh. Enough said. Yup. Uh, so let me flip it back to the comic news to actually get my head back in a good place because watching that trailer, yeah, I'm completely messed up. Marvel Comics has announced that they are going to be launching a new Alien series. Hmm. So this is based off the movie franchise. Marvel got the rights back for that and Predator um, very quietly. And obviously now they've been kind of doing a little teaser art for it, but now it's been announced that Alien Number 1 will be debuting March 2021. So if you're a fan of that franchise and want to see what's going to do running around the Marvel Universe, well, this is going to be something up your alley. Uh, and then flipping the corner to DC, uh-huh. they have announced a little bit of the books coming out after Future State gets uh, done. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you haven't been following, Future State is where DC is taking that really crazy risk of jumping in the future for 10 years. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's going to be like a two-month crossover. You're seeing a lot of new characters and or some established characters in um as new identities. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like the new 52, just shorter okay. in, in my opinion. And it's going to be a lot different because they are not going to do a full reset. So right. this is just like something they're teasing in the future. I always kind of refer to this as Marvel 20, 2099. Gotcha. That it could take off and it could be written in, but it's really uncertain because it's, sometimes when comics lines take a shot with doing stuff like this, it just doesn't, it does doesn't go. Mm-hmm. So I'm very apprehensive to kind of see what's going on because I know that this caught a lot of heat when they were trying to do the original 5G nonsense. Right, way back when. right. But there was a couple books that caught my eye 
and one of which was Teen Titans Academy. Hmm. Now, the only reason this really kind of stuck out to me is they're going to be debuting in the comics Red X. Now, if you've been following the Teen Titans cartoon... The original one, not the newer one. Right. That was the uh, villain identity that Robin did to go undercover to to try getting the upper hand on Slate. Yep, uh, for a time, and then somebody else took up the mantle, but as of this time, nobody knows who the hell it was. Right. So how this is going to play out in the comics, I don't know. Um, It was a real good concept in the cartoon. You know, definitely threw everybody, including myself, who was watching at the time for a loop. Yeah, so this is going to be just playing into a lot of hands, and obviously... We're seeing now a lot of the animated properties are yeah. now coming over. We know uh, Mask of Phantasm, Phantasm is now in the DC universe. Fucking 23 years later than it should have been. Right. But Tom King has been, I think he's honestly worked with every single DC Batman villain known to man. Could be. During his run. Could be. So, unless there's somebody I'm missing, but I think he's like covered everybody. It's got to be close to everybody. Well, I know a lot of them got covered in uh, War Jokes and Riddles. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's that, true. That covered a lot, but... Nevertheless, we're seeing a lot more properties coming there, and we are seeing that Teen Titans is going to have that. We are also getting the announcement of the new Suicide Squad book, mm. which I will show Pad the cover. Okay. And who is featured on it? Uh, Peacemaker. Yep. So as it stands, when the new monthly Suicide Squad book comes out, because they just wrapped up, which that was a very, very good read if you haven't got a chance to read that. It looks like that Peacemaker, who is going to be played in the new HBO Max movie, or Warner Brothers movie, I should say, uh, by John Cena. Mm. So he'll be the focus head of it. Uh, we do not see any mainstays that we know from the current group of Suicide Squad on there as well. And they do have a couple other characters, such as Talon, who you've, you know from the Cordales and such, mm. is in the mix here. So there's going to be a lot more books getting announced, so definitely stay tuned for that when it drops. And then taking a look at the comic shops, Endless Winter has taken over DC, so I know they have a Superman book that's coming out as a spinoff and Flash as well, too. Mm. So that's going to be hitting the stores. And then for Marvel, King and Black has taken over. They're going to kick into that high gear. Uh, obviously, I was very happy with uh, issue number one um, for a reason I probably already dropped, and I don't care because, hey, I am digging what they're doing in that book. And if they got to kill off some major characters or some so-called major characters, go ahead and do it because I fully trust Donny Cates and what he's doing with that. So if you want to find out more information about that, head over to your local comic book shops. Go support them. It's the holiday season. Nothing is better than support local, doing local, being local, and obviously helping out your fellow community. And then if you need to go over, check out some comic book podcasts. I know Wednesday Pull This is on hiatus right now, but definitely jump in and hit them up on Twitter. Lex will talk to you and definitely has got a lot to say about that. And, of course, our good friend Brian Wayne over at Cheers to Comics. The pod family is in the building. Like we say, we don't have friends of the show. We have family of the show. So that all being said, Pad. The music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. They're family of the show, too. They have a Patreon out now. They've got some stuff in the works that I'm not allowed to talk about. And they have some amazing music that you can download right now. Where, Pad, where do you go for this? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Right on. So you can head over to the music section. You can check out what's going on with them. Tom Jolu, another amazing human being who uh, hooked me up with some new merch that he has coming out. So I'm definitely thankful for that and thankful to Tom's music because... He is just an amazing artist as well. You need to check out them. Second Suitor, who has a music video dropping Friday, I hear. Ooh. So Tyler has been working on something as well. So for all the great bands you hear on the ODPH, you need to just go over to the music section, check them all out, download them all, especially Brian Wolf, too, who's doing his Patreon Wednesdays. 
Also on the website, you can go check out the friends of the show at the directory. You can check out all the organizational links we have supporting Black Lives Matter. And we have all the amazing pod groups that we are in via their pod chaser pages. So you can check out everybody in Pod Nation. You can check out everybody in Legion Independent Podcast. You can check out everybody at Alternate Reality Radio. You can check out everybody at the Apocalypse, including the Villains Demand. Shout out to JVD. Shout out to Evan. They have got an amazing show that you need to go pod raid. Give them all the five-star reviews in the world that you can do because they're amazing people as well. And you definitely want to give a shout-out to Hashtag 67 Podcast, of course. Definitely want to shout-out Rich, Ron, Mike C, and Hashtag Big Natty Cool, still on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. And they have got a lot going on in that Patreon as well. So patreon.com slash 8122productions. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gives you a comfy seat at the table. Anything else I cannot allow to talk about. And I'm just going to leave it at that. All of that and plus some more news that we are going to be breaking over the next couple weeks because I got an email that I'm reading right now, but I'm not allowed to talk about it on air. Well, you shouldn't have bought me that Millennium Falcon. Well, Pad, you've been putting some work here, so I was trying to do my thing. So if you really want to find out what's going on, OchoDuroParleyHour.com is your source for everything O-D-P-H. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J, 194 days, still no HBO Max app on Roku, although you got to figure out that deal's getting done soon. That's got to get done ASAP. Mm-hmm. For our, our brother in the nerdy south, the the sweet tea, the Duke of Nerds, Mr. Tyler Mack, thank you again for joining us. And definitely check out 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Uh-huh.